Welcome to You've Gotta Taste This, the podcast where food people tell you about recipes that you've simply got to taste. I'm your host, Adam Roberts, and I've been writing about food for almost 20 years. I love to cook, and even more, I love to talk about cooking. So let's get started. My guest this week is Jen Harris, columnist for the LA Times and host of The Bucket List, where she travels all over and eats amazing things around LA, which is why I changed the format this week and asked Jen to send me somewhere. Here's the message she sent me. Hey Adam, it's Jen Harris from the LA Times and you've got to taste this. It's a Shenzhen bao from the Kangking Food Court in the San Gabriel Valley. I know you're going to love it. So this week's episode is all about my adventure on the road to the San Gabriel Valley to eat Shenzhen bao on Jen's recommendation. Here's this week's episode of You've Got to Taste This. All right, Jen. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I um, was so grateful to you because we kind of took things in a new direction this week. Normally, I ask people to send me a recipe, but because I'm such a fan of your writing for the LA Times, where you write all about places to go, I asked you to send me somewhere. And can you tell everybody where you sent me? Yeah, so I sent you to Kang Kang Food Court uh, in the San Gabriel Valley, which is one of my favorite places for dumplings. I'm so excited that you went there, and I can't wait to hear what you thought. Well, it was so interesting for me because um, I watched your video before I left, before I went, and you have a video on the LA Times website, um, and it's, correct my pronunciation if it's wrong, but is it Sheng Zhen Bao? Is that how you say Shen it? Sheng Zhen Bao, yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't quite know what to expect like when you um, told me to get this dish. But when I saw it in the video, I was like, okay, so it's sort of like a bao, which is like sort of like a, would you say it's like a bun, like almost like a little tiny bun. But then it's also a dumpling, but it's a soup dumpling and it's fried on the bottom and steamed on the top. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's basically all the dumplings in one, like the best of all the dumplings in one. So it's yes. like part yeasted bun. Uh, they only let it proof kind of like up to a certain point. And then it's like part pot sticker, like pan fried dumpling. And then yes, the filling is like juicy pork and hot flavorful soup. Yes. Um, and so you get all the different textures uh, in this one dumpling. Well, it's so funny because it's like, it really makes you think about like when you read about something or you see something like in an image, like that you think you know what it's going to be like, but then you really, when you go and taste it, it could even be more profound. And that's how it was for me. I was like, oh, I think I get what that is. But when I went there and I had it, it was like the dreamiest like combination of <laughs> textures. It was like crispy, but juicy and like and it had this vinegar that you dipped it in. I do have to say that I embarrassed myself in every possible way you can with like a dumpling, like because it's a little heavy with my chopsticks. Like I lifted it up and I plopped it. It fell out of my chopsticks into the sauce and splashed all over me. And then I bit into it and squirted all over my glasses. Which oh, was... you had the dumpling squirt. Yeah, okay. I had a squirt, but it was so worth it. And um, and it felt like such a cool, like in the know place. Like I felt like it wasn't like overrun with like tourists or anything. It was just like, oh, like a bunch of locals. And um, so how did you first discover Kang Kang Food Court? You know, I think my grandma took me there uh, a really long time ago, um, like over 10 years ago, okay. um, specifically to get that dumpling. Um, and then I, I tried it once and I just remember thinking like, that's it. Like, this is the best dumpling in the universe. Like, I don't yes. need to ever eat any other ones ever again. <laughs> right. um, and I was just hooked. And then I started bringing my friends there. Um and I take people on dumpling crawls around the SUV uh, and that's that's always a stop. Um, but it's always the last stop because 
Um, all I love all dumplings and there's so many different varieties and I appreciate all of them, but I feel like you have to end with this one because yes. it's just so phenomenal um, and kind of pulls from all the different like textures and styles that we kind of just had throughout the day. So um, yeah, that, that is always on the Jen Harris dumpling crawl. <laughs> now did, did you, did you grow up in LA? I don't think I know where you grew up. Yes. Uh, yes. I grew up uh, in Pasadena actually. Um, okay. And so Pasadena and Alhambra. So yes, I am an LA, LA girl. I was uh, born at Cedar Sinai. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Very, so yes, grew- very LA. Yeah. So you've had your fair share of dumplings in LA because you're from here. So um, in terms of the San Gabriel Valley, like, and for people who don't know, the San Gabriel Valley is about like 20, 30 minutes, would you say like outside of LA, east of LA? Is that right? On a good traffic day. Yes. Yeah. On yes. a good traffic day. And it's predominantly a Chinese community, would you say? I mean, is is it? Yeah, I, I think you can find... Uh, food from all over uh i mean you, you can find taiwanese uh food okay. you can find hong kong style cafes um szechuan food you know all the different provinces of china um but also vietnamese um mm-hmm. and japanese and korean so it's just like this mecca of asian food from yes. around the entire world um and we're so so lucky uh to have it well, I sometimes feel overwhelmed by it, which is why I was so grateful that you sent me here because like I've been, you know, I've been to um, Chengdu Taste, which has amazing mm-hmm. Sichuan food. And I've been to a couple of places, but just in terms of the sprawl of it, I also kind of feel the same way about Koreatown in LA. Like it's just such a, such a bastion of riches that it's just, I don't even know where to begin. So it's so nice to have someone send you specifically to a spot. Um, but so in terms of when you went there the first time, so you you knew right away you loved it, but then you wrote about it for the LA Times. You made this video. Was that the first time that you like met the owner and really learned how they made the dumplings themselves? Yes, that was the first time. So we, so uh, I have a series for the LA Times called The Bucket List. Um, the first season was all about fried chicken. This season is all about dumplings. And I knew that I definitely wanted to devote an entire episode to that specific style of dumpling because it's so special and difficult to make. Um, and all my years going to Kang Kang, I, I didn't know who owned it. Um, they would never let you look inside the kitchen, you know, yes. but um, for this episode, I was like, if I'm going to focus on that dumpling, like this is the one place I want to highlight, you know, this is like the gold standard. So I reached out to them. Uh, via Instagram, actually, and because wow. I noticed they had an Instagram account and that they had posted recently. So I was like, all right, this is a good sign, like it's gonna cross yeah. my fingers. And I reached out to them. And the daughter of the owner responded. And she was like, let me talk to my dad. Uh, and I was like, all right, hopefully, she's like, because we don't normally do anything like that, um, especially allow people in the kitchen. Right. And so she talked to him and 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 she came back and said, yes, that for the first time they were going to let anyone in the kitchen to kind of get a look at what they were doing. So, so we were cool. the first one. Yeah. So we were the first one. So that LA Times video is like the first look into um, how they make them. And and they're, I mean, still the recipe is very secret and right. most of the technique is secret, but we, we do get a peek inside um, behind the magic for sure. And he seemed kind of tickled that you were interviewing him. Like he seemed very proud of, of the, his place and the dumplings and in terms of like what does go into it. Like I thought it was so interesting. It's like a soup dumpling. If you were going to make one at home is basically like gelatinized or like, yeah, it's like chicken stock or whatever stock you're using. That's become like a gelatin because it's been reduced so much or it's been refrigerated. And then you chop up that gelatin and like stir it into the pork mixture. And then when it gets steamed, like that gelatin melts back into soup. Is that sort of how it worked in that recipe? 
Yes, for, for that specific one, yes. But um, we actually did a whole episode on Shalombao on soup dumplings and okay. saw that, that there's like multiple techniques for how to get the soup in the dumpling. Okay. So whether that's like freezing it, uh, like freezing the filling um, mm -hmm. or um, but yeah, one of the most common techniques is making like um, a stock and then uh, like turning it into jelly, um, whether yeah. because, you know, because there's so much uh, collagen in it and then yeah kind of like cutting that into the filling and and um then letting it melt when it cooks now on that on that, <laughs> on that same episode you had uh was she like a tiktok star or like a um instagrammer who also made um shengjin bao like she sh showed you how to do it yes yeah, yeah so she uh about the bao bay <laughs> bao yeah, bay she, yeah i knew yeah, it was something bao like bae. that britney is so fantastic um i found her on social media she has a huge following on instagram and tiktok and she started these dumpling classes like during the pandemic and is still, you know, doing pop-ups now. You can buy her dumplings or sign up for one of her classes. And this is one of her like signature uh, dumplings is, is that she's she tr she's tried to perfect this one um, since this is something that uh, she grew up eating with her family uh, in Shanghai, moved to Hawaii and then, you know, would go back and forth to kind of learn from her grandparents um, and then started teaching people how to do it. And hers are really good. Like yeah, really, hers really looked good. really good. Did she have like, opinions about the ones that Kang Kang? Like, was she like secretly whispering to you, like, you know, they're doing this wrong, or or, or was was everyone on no, good behavior? <laughs> no, she 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 was very impressed with theirs. She she thought theirs was uh like some of the best ones she's tried. Yeah, she she was a fan too. Um. So okay. So can you tell us a little bit? Of, I mean, I follow you, so I'm I'm a, a fan of yours, but I actually don't know a lot about like your background, getting into journalism, getting into food journalism, and having the job you have now. So how did all of this come about? Oh, um, thank you for following my stuff. First yeah, of all, um, no, for it's reading great. my stuff, I appreciate yeah. it. Um, a long. I mean, I like most people I've always been into food but uh, and you know I like to eat but I feel like both sides of my family my mom's side is the Chinese side my dad's side is the Jewish side um oh I didn't around. know you were half Jewish yeah. wow yeah. that's why I feel yeah. so connected to you okay oh good so. good yeah. yes 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 we're both Jewish um yeah but yeah I mean both grandmas are just such great cooks Okay. And um, really made an effort to cook a lot whenever my sister and I or the family were over. And so um, when we spent time together, we were in the kitchen, we were eating. Um, they made a lot of family recipes and they still do, which which is really great. Um, did they do that they with each other? Like, do they know no, each no. other? <laughs> they know separately. each other, but it was mostly, yeah, separately. Mm -hmm. um, just whenever my sister and I would go to each, you know, grandma's house. Um and then my Chinese grandma, especially, well, both grandmas love also going out to eat and like trying new restaurants and different mm -hmm. types of food. So my Chinese grandma and her friends are always going around the SGV trying new places. Um, they're so funny. They just grab takeout menus. And so when I go to my grandma's house, she's like, my friend said to go here. And then it's highlighted <laughs> with what to order. Oh, is, like, I love phenomenal. that. Yeah, That's so, so lucky. I wish I had a grandma yeah. that did that. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she you know and even my parents too like on the weekends they'd be like let's go try this new ethiopian restaurant or let's go try that you know so food was just like something that always brought me joy and and was a way to um get to know people and learn about mm -hmm. people um so uh when i was getting into journalism like in college i went to uc irvine for undergrad um and so while i was there i started working for like the university newspaper and mm -hmm. and um started writing about food because in Irvine, there's actually a ton of great Asian food around the campus as well, like up and down Culver Boulevard. Um, mm -hmm. 
and great Iranian food too. So most of the money I spent in college, was my parents were pissed because they paid for like the dining hall. Uh -huh. And so I had free food, but I was spending all my money on, I was like, oh, this new Persian place open. I really yeah. want to try it. Well, that was so, your real education. That exactly. you pay, It paid for itself. So that was okay. Yeah. That's so yeah. funny. So just running around getting food. And then um, uh, I ended up at USC for grad school. And uh, we had like, a, we had launched a new digital publication there at the time called Neon Tommy. And I was writing, you know, some food and restaurant stuff for them. Um, I, I was working for this company called Cool Hunt, which was, uh, it was like an, uh, an agency where people hired us from out of the country to write about LA restaurants and like hospitality. Mm -hmm. So like I have bylines in like Vogue Taiwan or Cosmopolitan wow. Hong Kong, like writing about new restaurants in LA or like a new hotel. Um, and then, uh, yeah, after, after grad school, I, I got a job at the Times, but it wasn't in the food section, actually. It was doing web stuff for book review and fashion, which both things I love, but I always wanted to be in the food section um, just because I loved food so much. And I was a huge fan of the section. Um, the editor was Russ Parsons at the time and right. uh, Betty Halleck, who is back. And I'm so excited. She's our she's our deputy editor again, um, but she was there at the time too. And I was such a huge fan of hers and, and so excited. So that, you know, when I position came up in food like a year after I started at the times I took it so um I've been in the food section ever since long time now like 30 years ago <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you have a good job because it's like you don't have to I mean I feel like the, the after the pandemic it feels like food writers and food critics are not really writing negative things anymore about restaurants I mean there used to be the day like where like food critics would like sharpen their teeth and like write their takedowns of like you know the hot new restaurant but it feels like now, especially the LA Times feels more like a celebration of the best that LA has to offer. Um, and so, I mean, did you ever, have you written like negative reviews of anything in the LA Times? No. Yeah. So I've never been a critic. Um, All right. I don't really have any desire to be a critic uh, because, um, I mean, more power, like Bill Addison, who's our critic right now is so mm -hmm. phenomenal. And I love his stuff. And I was a huge fan of his before he came to work with us. Um, but like, I, yeah, I, like there's so many great restaurants and so many people doing amazing things that I love that as a columnist, I can just highlight that. Like there's yes. plenty, I can't even get to it all, you know, um, and no one goes into the restaurant business intending to do something bad. So, right. <laughs> so, you know, I'd, I'd rather, there's so much great stuff to highlight that I'd rather just do that. Um, but I, but I do think that restaurant criticism is important. Um, yeah. and I think that Bill does it extremely well, but I do think there's kind of this like feeling of like celebration and appreciation and mm -hmm. that the format has changed into, you know, more of like, we're telling you a story about this restaurant and who's behind it versus just, is this good or bad, which, and, and, yeah. and I really appreciate that. So. And do you get pitched all the time? Like, are you, are people trying to get you to write about their places or is it mostly just like whatever you feel like writing about you write about? Um, it is whatever I feel like writing about, I write about, but I do get hit up on, um, social media a lot, uh, it, email too, but social media a lot, um, with people being like, please come in, you know, if they're all offering free things, which we can't take, we don't, we don't take any comp meals. We pay for everything. We don't do any sort of like social media collabs or anything like that, but, but but I do get, and I know my colleagues do too, um, hit up a lot on social media saying, please come in, we'll give you a free dish, which 
we can't do. But. Yeah, of course. Um, but I'm curious, so if, having lived here your, basically your whole life and um, writing about food, I'm curious, like, how do you feel like LA has changed as a food city? Because I mean, I would say right now in the country, it feels as hot and as vital and important as any other city in the country right now. But did it always feel that way? Or is it, do you feel like it's just getting the recognition that it de- has always deserved? So I have always felt that way just because, um, I don't know, again, I had like parents and family who really valued going out to try different types of food and like driving for good food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always known that we have the best tacos. I've always known that our San Gabriel Valley is like insane. Um, yeah. I've always known that our, our K-Town has incredible food. Um and that chefs here and chefs have been coming here to do and not just chefs, but like creative people have been coming here to do amazing things for that, you know, um, uh, should be recognized for years, but only recently, maybe within like the last five to seven years has LA been kind of getting the recognition that I think it's always deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do always feel, I have always felt that this has been like the best place to eat. Um, for a very long time. And it, and it's only getting better. Well, it's so funny because I lived in New York for so many years and then I came here and the New York food media culture feels <laughs> so different to me than LA food media culture. Like I feel like when I was in New York, there were so many publications and just so many like magazines and blogs and you know newspaper sections. It was just like, it was such like a gestalt of of people and personalities and places to go. And, and in LA, I, when I first moved here, it was really Jonathan Gold. Like, I felt like he was like the king of LA in a way. Um, and also Evan Kleiman, like those were the two like fit figures, large figures. Now I feel like it's shifting a little bit, but I feel like a major difference though is like the LA Times does feel, especially because LA Weekly is really not as mm-hmm. much of a thing anymore. It does feel like the LA Times is so the main like media outlet for coverage of LA, right? I mean, in terms of food. Good. In LA. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it does feel I'm very central. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder like if if the reason New York often gets celebrated more as a food city is just because there's so much more um, of media there. There's so much more media to write about it. Or no, what do you think? That's an interesting uh take on it. I mean, maybe I mean I do also think I love New York. I think New York is a it's a great place to eat. Um, do I think it's better than LA or, um, has more to offer? No, I I don't. I've never, I've, I've never felt that. I I appreciate both cities for different reasons and it's Mm -hmm. also really great, but I think you're onto something. Maybe it is that there is just more, um, food media. I also feel like sometimes New York just kind of has this mentality that like, it is the only place that exists and everything exists around it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and and that's, you know, so sometimes I think that's a little part of it too. Um, uh, but oh, I think you're onto something. Maybe. Well, also, I feel like, I feel like the climate has shifted a lot away from fine dining. I mean, even now with this like Noma closing news, like I feel yeah. like New York, when I would describe the difference between New York and LA, I'd be like, well, LA, New York has its like bastions of fine dining. Like it has like John George and Daniel mm-hmm. and like per se or whatever. And I, I don't feel like LA as much as we do have like Providence and um, some other places, it's like, that's not what LA, that's not what makes LA great. And I feel like as more people are getting critical of the culture of fine dining mm-hmm. and what it, what it takes, it's like the LA's like vast diversity and, and, you know, family run businesses are, are becoming much more of like what people are interested in now too, I think. That's yeah. I, 
yeah, I know I, I I'd have to agree with you. I feel like, yeah, LA has not always been a place for fine dining. Um, and I do think there's kind of like a shift in the types of places that people value now and think mm -hmm. are interesting and that it's not just fine. You know, I've never been a fine dining person. I, I like, I love Providence and I, I think it's great. Um, or like Cato is great too. Um, but I'm, I'm just not like a big tasting menu person. So that's just right. not how I particularly like to eat all the time. And I can't afford it either. And I don't know a lot yeah. of people who can, you know, so I, I definitely think there's been this shift in, um, uh, you know, what's exciting. Um, and what's exciting is no longer a, you know, tasting menu that costs $500 and it can be, but I feel like the majority of people are looking to other um, styles of food and styles of dining. And mm -hmm. I mean, in LA, we have so many tasting menus that just aren't fine dining. You know, mm -hmm. we have, we have, we have sh so many chefs who are doing incredibly creative, thoughtful, innovative cuisine um, without the crazy price tag and without, um, you know, just the traditional fine dining atmosphere that you think of when you think of fine dining. So, I mean, like Anna Jack Thai, for instance, Mm -hmm. um and that tasting menu in the alley is is phenomenal um needle and silver lake was doing an incredible uh tasting menu like outside on the sidewalk for yes. a while um, i missed it but i, I, I oh, used okay. to drive past it yeah it looked really yes. cool hopefully they bring it back um you know uh kin is a restaurant in koreatown um i believe they're tasting doing um like a modern take on uh the Korean food that the chef grew up with. And I believe it's still under a hundred dollars. Really? <laughs> is, That's amazing. Yeah, which, which is insane. Um, so, I mean, a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars is still a hundred dollars. It's expensive, but to have yeah. something like that for under a hundred dollars is, is a lot more, um, reasonable and affordable than some other places for sure. Now I follow your Instagram and if, if you guys aren't following Jen Harris on Instagram, you guys are missing out. Um, uh, is it just Jen Harris just so people can follow you? So it's, it's Jen with two N's underscore Harris underscore, because there is a very lovely Broadway actress who has my same name and she took at Jen Harris. So you got to add oh, underscores. Okay. I love Broadway. So maybe I'll follow yeah. her too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I was going to say like, if you follow Jen's Instagram, she does these like roundups of like your week of eating and they are, I mean, talk about like inspirational food porn. I mean, you like, like in one roundup, you'll like, you'll have like covered more of LA than I will have like in a year. But it's, it's like, is that, is that a typical week for you? Is like eating, like, you know, like going to Guisados and then going to like a, some food truck and then going to a sushi. Like it just feels like you're covering so much ground. Is that typical? Good. I'm glad you think that. Um, yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, because, you know, I, uh, I love finding good food wherever it is and in any form. Um, so I love when I learn about, you know, a new taco truck or maybe it's in, uh, Argentinian place that's been there for 30 years and I just haven't been in, you know, in the Valley or, um, you know, I just love going out, trying new places, uh, and not just where I live. You mm -hmm. know, I, 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 I love when someone tells me about a restaurant that's 45 minutes away. Like it's, it's okay to me. It's like an adventure to get there. Yes. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I am, I have a Prius and I have so many miles <laughs> on that thing and I am and it is dirty and it needs a car wash. Um, and it usually smells like food, but I, Great. you know, 
I'm constantly in my car going out trying to find good food and share it with people so that hopefully, you know, other people can enjoy it as well. Um, and then, yeah, so it syncs up the, my Instagram post syncs up with a weekly column for right. the paper that comes out every Monday online. Um, and for that, like, I love doing that because I love getting to meet the people behind these places that I just found that are so amazing and talk to them about their stories and, and why they make what they make. Um, and just learn about them and, and learn about their lives and, and more about their food and how they do it. So it's, it's been what, super fun. What yeah. are you eating when you're not eating um, delicious LA food? Like if you're just home, like do you cook at all or is it mostly just like takeout or what? I uh, don't get to cook as much as I'd like um, because I am eating out so much. So a lot of the times when I'm cooking at home, it's repurposing leftovers from the takeout I just got for work because they don't want to waste food. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of fried rice. Mm -hmm. I've put I've put everything from the insides of a leftover, you know, number 19 from Langer's. I knew you were going to say that. For some reason, I was like Langer's fried rice would be so good. Yes, like Langer's fried rice is very good. Um, And then some of the others, I've just put so many weird things into fried rice. Um, And uh, yeah, so I eat a lot or or like wrapped up into a burrito or just something. Yeah. uh, you know, so I can repurpose it. And I use a lot of chili crisp, like my mm. fridge is full of chili crisp because <laughs> I just put it on everything. Um, well, the Langer's uh, fried rice is making me think of your Jewish background and your Chinese background, because it's like those two cuisines. I mean, famously, like Jewish people eat Chinese food at Christmas. So like, is there a lot of crossover, like in terms of like what your Jewish grandmother likes to eat and what your um, Chinese grandmother likes to eat in terms of like flavors and like interests or yeah, it's no. funny because yes, my no, my Jewish grandma Phyllis, Phyllis Harris, shout out to mm-hmm. Phyllis. Um, she loves Chinese food. Like, yeah. yeah, she is great. She loves so I was actually just with her uh in Palm Desert where she lives and uh trying to find her an Asian market because they don't have a 99 ranch there, which is like terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> I found this like little Filipino market and we went and we stocked her up on, you know, fish sauce soy mm-hmm. sauce, um, rice noodles. Like they had a bunch of just like staples that she likes to have in the house, but her favorite thing to eat is shumai. Like okay. she loves shumai. She loves dim sum. She loves shumai. So whenever I go out there, I usually stop at Lunasia on the way or uh-huh. a couple, you know, cause they have like the really big shumai and I'll stop at a couple of her favorites and with a cooler and then bring her a bunch of shumai so that uh-huh. she can freeze it and kind of like defrost it as the week goes. Um, because she just loves Asian food of all kinds. Um, but my Chinese grandma loves Chinese food and meatball sandwiches. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know where the meatball. You know, okay. She's like, I'm going, she loves Claro's deli. Like she loves for me to go to Claro's, get her one of those giant meatball subs with cheese, with extra sauce. Uh-huh. And she loves to eat that. So if she's not eating Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think you could, I was just thinking about this. Like, do you think you could make a matzo ball soup dumpling? Well, yes, I already, I already think that matzo balls are dumplings, uh-huh, um, just without right. wrappers. Uh, so, but you, yeah, like kind of like the flavors of, yeah, I feel like if you use a wonton wrapper and you kind of, there'd have to be lots of schmaltz in it. Yes. Like you could do like a ground chicken, lots of schmaltz, some dill, and maybe a little bit of matzo meal in there uh-huh. and some egg to kind of bind it together. And maybe a little um, minced carrot too, an onion and celery. 
I think that would be really good. This is a million dollar idea. I mean, like matzo ball right? soup dumplings. I mean, I think yes. you have you have lines around the block. Okay, I hope nobody's listening yeah. to this because they're going to steal this. Don't tell anyone. And then like <laughs> and do a little like crispy um chicken skin on top. Ooh, like, or like fried like onions, maybe. Yes, yes, fried. Yes, that would be really good. Oh, let's get together yeah. and make that. I to? would love to. Yeah, okay, that would try. be so fun. I also think it'd be interesting to try to do like borscht soup dumplings, but that might get a little messy. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I mean, I'll bring an apron. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, this does sound like a food truck that's waiting to happen. We just need a clever name for it. Um, okay. So what are I just have to since your show is called the bucket list and you did fried chicken and now you're doing dumplings. But just in terms of the big picture of the L.A. bucket list, like what are your places if somebody's coming to L.A.? Ooh. I know it's a hard question, but it sort of feels like you're the one to ask. So what are the places that people must go if they only have like a week in L.A. or five days in L.A.? That is so hard. That is so hard. Um there are certain places like Jitlada wh- mm-hmm. where it's like, I, you know, I take people there or, you know, heavily encourage people to go there to try Jazz's Thai food because I think it's so phenomenal, but not just the food, just like the atmosphere and the ambiance and like the hospitality you get when you go there is is just such a special um, dining experience. And it's in the middle of Thai town. Like I, I've, mm-hmm. uh, I just feel like that's such a special place that I always take people to um kang kang's on there too like so i usually yeah, take people on a dumpling be. crawl yeah. yeah so i so i'll take people on a dumpling crawl so it's like kang kang also um hoito shang which does those like blintz looking uh dumplings uh they okay. do pork or beef they're they're in the sgv as well they also opened a location in hollywood which is really delicious oh, cool. um yeah so and convenient that they're there too um and um long Zingji, which is also in the SGV in a shopping center in a giant shopping center where honestly I could just eat in that shopping center for the rest of my life and not have to go anywhere. <laughs> okay. But but they do the giant uh pork and crab buns where um you stick the straw in and like you suck up all the amazing filling and juice inside. And so you usually like those are on the dumpling crawl and and I take people to go to those as well. Um tacos. There's I mean I always tell people to eat to you know get tacos here i'm trying to think like i mean el russo and sonora town are incredible um yes. i usually take people to one of but also like gusados i know there's a bunch of locations now but but like still my favorite tortilla yes. like corn tortillas like in life um, they're really good and they do that little sampler so if you were to go to gusados like you can just get a sampler of tacos and they just put a bunch of different yes. ones on a plate which i really like Yes. Um, and I usually take people to K-Town. I mean, dep- it, but I mean, it'll depend on like, do you want hand cut noodles? Do you want um, barbecue uh, or mandu? You know, so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll usually take people to some place in K-Town depending on what they feel like. Cause I just feel like our Koreatown is so special um, mm-hmm. and we have everything there. I'm trying to think if there's other like specific this is the hardest question anyone asks. <laughs> You're doing great. Now you're answering in a way that's like really helpful because it's like, oh, I would, I okay. don't know all these places. So I would be happy to go to them. But I guess I'm curious okay. too, in terms of like the middle of the road, like not fine dining, but not like a truck. Like, like what about like the like Mozas and like Jelena's and like those kind of places where, you know, like Nancy Silverton or just like kind of these LA personalities. Like, are you, is that the kind of food too that you're interested in or is it still mostly? Um, oh, yeah. Like, no, no. I think like I love 
uh, Osteria and Pizzeria Moza and her steakhouse, The Bearish, is also excellent. I, Nancy Silver, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day who had just recently eaten at Moza again for like mm-hmm. the first time. Um, and Kispaka. I, I think that she is such an excellent uh, chef and her food is consistently delicious at all the restaurants. Um, so yeah, uh, I think like the Mozaplex, as Jonathan used to call it, yeah, is, is definitely yeah. high up there. But also like Republic is oh yeah i just went there it's solid so good restaurant. yeah i and, went there for um, breakfast too and it was oh, just good. like oh my god it's like 22 dollars for um like a croque madame but it was worth every penny it was <laughs> so delicious and it's like every detail they specific, even just a little salad that was like on the side of it it was like the most beautiful lettuce it's it's like an embarrassment of riches that place i mean i, I was there yes. when it was um uh campanile like 20 years ago because i was living in la for the summer Mm -hmm. and that's when nancy silverton and mark peel for those who don't know i mean this building was charlie chaplin's old studio i think it's like a historic la building yeah and then there was campanile which was like a really huge restaurant and then was it something before republic or did it just become republic right after that Um, i think it became republic after because i had my 21st birthday like like uh, my parents threw my dad and I a 20, it was my 21st, his 50th, like surprise brunch at Campanile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think shortly after it turned into Republic. So I, yeah. I, I don't, if there was something in between, I don't remember it, but it, it's such a special dining room. Too. It is. Yeah. And yeah. the food and they have like the most incredible house made baguette there and then like you can get it with like so butter, with butter like Normandy butter, but they also have pan drippings you can yes. get it with like meat drippings oh, it's incredible so i'm curious i'm going to pivot now um feels like being a young jer- food journalist in 2023 thank it's you not... for saying i'm young yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean you are it's so funny actually this is because so, we're having this conversation visually over zoom and i had a call with my husband this morning with a like a money person because we were anyway but like uh-huh. we were talking about she kept saying how young we looked and at some point i was like I have a filter on like I and I forgot that I had this like really like really like gauzy filter on and Craig my husband was like turn off the filter and then we like aged by like 30 years um Stop anyway <laughs> but I was gonna say as a young food journalist in 2023 where like where do you see the future I mean because like if even when you have meetings now at the LA Times it feels like writing at a typewriter and typing about food is like has gone the way of the dodo it's like now we're like doing TikTok now we're doing Instagram now I mean where where's where's the energy now in terms of coverage and trying to cover food you know in LA like where where do you see yourself in like five years ten years like putting all of your effort well um I'm obviously going to be a big time TikTok star no I'm just kidding (laughs) Uh, no um but I I just feel like that people consume media in so many different ways now like you know and a lot of people do get their news or ideas for where to eat via social media now, whether that's TikTok or Instagram, or there's probably many apps I don't know about because I, I <laughs> thank you for saying I'm young, but maybe I am too old to know about them. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, and I think we're constantly trying, or at least I am constantly trying to evolve and adapt. Um, so, uh, you know, like I, the LA Times food is on TikTok and we're trying some fun stuff there. Um, but like, I just feel like at the heart of what food writing is, 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 you know, it's still like telling a story through food. And so I feel like that will always hopefully be at the heart of whatever I'm doing. Um, 
the medium just might change. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, right. like, and yes, like we, we started doing video series, which, which is really great. Um, and, you know, we are on TikTok where we've been on Instagram for a while. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, I guess what, that future is going to look like um but yeah, i just I hope yeah yeah I, but i just you know probably more you know probably more video just i feel like people you know food has always been visual and people want to um see what you're doing and feel like they're sitting at the table with you um mm -hmm. and is and you can do that through writing you know uh really well but i think you know sometimes video is just the best the best way to do that um, so I definitely think there'll be more video involved and having even more of a presence on social media, but I'm excited yeah. to see what that's going to look like too. Well, it's um, funny. Cause I feel like so many writer people who become writers and like want to be writers, it's because they don't want to be like the center of attention and they don't want to be on camera, but now mm -hmm. it feels like almost a prerequisite, um, to become a food writer. Now I feel like you do sort of have to have some kind of presence, um, online. I mean, unless you're one of the very rare creatures who can break through with just the words that you put on a page, which there are certainly like people who still can do that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, now I think you have to put yourself out there in as many ways as you can. So that's why we're doing this podcast right now. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of your influences, like who were some of the writers that you read um, when you were getting interested in food? Like, did you have a favorite food writer or were you more interested in other forms of journalism and then just gravitated towards food? I mean, I was such a fan of Jonathan Gold, you know, yes. before I got to work with him. So, uh, and then when he came to the times, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Mm. <laughs> like, yes. like just at my desk right now. It was really, um, so I was always a fan of his, um, you know, MFK Fisher, yes. uh, I was reading Bill Addison long before he's, I started mm -hmm. working with him. I always thought he was a uh, phenomenal. Um, Ligaya Michonne from the New York times have worshiped forever. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, I, I was, um, I was also reading Helen Rosner. Like yeah. I still do. I, I just, um, I, I read a lot of, of food writing before I, kind of went that route officially um but mm -hmm. those were those were some of the people i and also and betty hallett too and um the rest of the la food team who was there there before me i was a big fan of too so well for those who don't know i mean jonathan gold like i guess there's people listening who might not know that much about him but he is the only was the only pulitzer prize winning food critic right or food writer in yeah. the history of of um the pulitzers and I um, used to, when I, I, so I spent a summer in LA when I accidentally went to law school and accidentally, in some, <laughs> yeah, in some crazy turn of events, I became a intern. So I had a summer internship at Girardi and Keys, which if you've watched the real housewives of Beverly Hills, you, you'll know that Erica Jane, one of the housewives was married to Tom Girardi, who has now been exposed as having like run like a horrible, like Ponzi yeah. scheme thing. Um, so I worked there. And it was a crazy summer, but I, I bought Jonathan Gold's book, Counterintelligence. And the highlight of that whole summer was that I, yeah. oh, she has it right in front of her. That's so it's on funny. my coffee table. Yeah. It's on the coffee yeah. table. Well, I used yeah. to like literally like open it up. And that summer was so fun because I would just go to some like, random hot dog cart, like in the middle of nowhere and like oh, eat good. a chili dog, you know? Um, but I have to ask, since I'm such a fan of his, like, what are some of your memories of working with him and, and meeting him in real life? 
so my, I mean, I loved reading his stuff every week, but I just liked seeing him around the office and talking to him at my desk. My favorite thing was when he would just come by my desk and ask if I'd eaten somewhere that uh-huh. he'd eaten at before or what I thought of this place. Um, and just having, getting to talk to him was great, but my favorite memory was, uh, he, um, he wanted to have dinner with my Chinese grandma. Cause he was always hearing about how we're going around the San Gabriel Valley and, and he ate around the San Gabriel Valley as much as she does. <laughs> so, right. um, he knew everything. And so, uh, he said he wanted to meet her and eat with her. So I said, okay. So I told my grandma and she was like, sure. Okay. So we, we meet for dinner at a restaurant. Um, to remember it was one that he ended up reviewing and we sit down and you know he asks her what she wants to order and she's you know trying to be polite so she says no you order he's like no you're here <laughs> like you order so they both order a couple of things and then um she tells me that she's impressed with what he ordered and i was like oh that's good <laughs> um but then so as she's getting more comfortable with him you know she's starting to say things like um jonathan you know who has the best coffee? Do you know? And he's like, I, I don't know. Like who? And she's like, McDonald's. <laughs> I know you will never say it. <laughs> like, do you know who you're? She's just sitting there trying. And anyway, it was just, I bet he loved was, that. Oh my, it was, it was so funny, but I was laughing the entire time and we got through dinner and it was really fun and they're talking. And then the next day at work, he comes on my desk and I'm like, Oh God. He's going to mention the McDonald's and and he just was like, that was really fun. I'd like to do that again. Like just so gracious and kind. Um, And uh, anyway, one of my most fun memories was getting to eat with him and my grandma at the same table. I love that. That's such a good story. I'm curious, like, um, because you do the same thing, like, and I always wondered this about Jonathan Gold, like, how did he and how do you hear about new places to go? Like, what are your sources? And like, are you like looking on forums on the internet? Or are you, do you have like a, a whisper network of people that, like, you know, you secretly are texting? Like, how does it all work? <laughs> I have a secret network. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a variety of things. Um, for certain areas, my grandma is is honestly a, the best resource with uh, mm. her, her. It's her network of friends who are constantly eating out um, and grabbing those to go menus for me. Um, mm. But also, I mean, on social media, sometimes, too, I'll, I'll find, uh, you know, certain uh, people who are really into food who I follow that just went to try a new place and I'll message them and ask them how it was or ask them if they've been eating anything cool lately. Um, I drive around a lot. So a lot of times I'll just like see a spot and stop and then kind of investigate. Um, really? I've I'm never cool. done that. Like that's the thing oh. that I, I've yeah. never done because I'm always like, I feel like I've always been like, oh, I'm Jonathan Gold and all those people like must at some point just think that looks interesting. I'm going to go in there. Like, and I guess it's yes. like, I, I think of my I think of my meals as being so important that like the idea of risking a bad meal is um, terrifying to me. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like to go. No, it doesn't. And it's expensive. Eating out is expensive. Yeah. You know? And, and so, yeah, having, having a bad meal, you're, you're, that's your time. That's your money. Like I, I totally get not wanting to risk that. Um, But, and then if I stop somewhere, especially I'm not familiar with the neighborhood, I'll like ask someone at a store, like, where do you eat around here? Like, I'll just, I'm constantly talking to strangers, constantly asking people I don't know about food. Actually, Um, that happened to me yesterday. I was taking an Uber or a Lyft and the driver was Armenian and, and this never happens to me, but he was talking to me about, I'm just looking at my phone because I wrote it down, the Lama Lama June at Taron Bakery. Oh, okay. Have you ever heard of that? Try it. 
and yeah. let me know about it. He and said they he were unbelievable. It. Like he just started oh, telling good. me about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that doesn't often happen. But I feel like I'm just like a trend follower. Like, unfortunately, like if I read like everybody's doing going to this place now, then I'll go there as opposed to being the one that like goes first and then starts the trend. It's, it's I mean, uh, both are fine as long yeah. as long as you're eating good food and, and finding something yes. that brings you joy that you enjoy eating like it doesn't, you don't need to be the it's just just eat the good <laughs> thing. That's OK. Um, But like but for new restaurants. Definitely my colleague, Stephanie, um, who writes our news column, Quick Bites, uh, she's on top of stuff. So a lot of times there'll be like crossover between our columns where it's like, uh, you know, I'll find a place and I'll be like, hey, have you? And she's like, it just went up. Like, she, she's like, I just wrote yeah. about it. So okay. uh, if you want to know about new restaurants, definitely, definitely follow Stephanie and her uh, news column too, for sure. So now when you have like a weekend ahead as we do um, and you're planning your Friday night out or your Saturday night out with friends or whatever, how I'm just so curious because of now I know so much about like how you eat and how you think about food. Like what is like a typical like Friday night out with Jen Harris? Like where would you start? Is there a bar involved? Is it a crawl? Is it just all at one place? So I, I don't have like a typical anything just because it really just depends on like, do I, how many, you know, how many restaurants did I hit this week that I wanted to try for the column or like, you know, is there a friend in town or whatever? Um, but I usually try to hit more than one spot, especially if it's like, and if it's a Friday and I don't have to wake up super early the next day, like there will most likely be a bar involved. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it could, it could be, and I try, like, especially when I'm trying a new restaurant, I'll, I'll just kind of look around that area um, and see if there's anything else new or anything else there that I've been wanting to try and kind of like group them together and be like, okay, like if anyone wants to meet here for a drink for an hour before and then, and then hit dinner, or there's also this really cool dessert place I've been wanting to try around the corner. Mm -hmm. So if anyone still has room, maybe we can go there after. I'm usually the one planning because yes. I'm trying to hit multiple things. Um, and I'm just, I'm a Virgo. So I think that makes sense <laughs> when I, I don't follow astrological signs, but many people tell me that that makes sense about me mm -hmm. um, because of that. So yes, I'm, I'm the one planning and, and there's definitely an itinerary for my Friday evening, but even if it's Tuesday, there's an itinerary. So. I love that. I, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause like my husband doesn't have as much patience for like bopping around. Like he, he likes atmosphere. He's all about atmosphere. And okay. his like number one pet peeve is like a TV in a restaurant. He hates like if there's TVs playing in a restaurant. So when I went to Pija Palace, which is like one of the more oh, like, yeah. exciting, exciting restaurants that opened in LA, I went with some friends and I was like, I can't bring Craig here. Like he would hate this because it's like the food was amazing, but it's like there's TVs all over the walls. It's like a sports bar. Um, yeah, that's their stick. It's a sport. So even if it's yeah. like supposed to be a sports bar but just with amazing food he's not okay he's all about atmosphere he would rather he would no, he'd <laughs> yeah. rather go to like a restaurant with great atmosphere and mediocre food than go to a oh, restaurant no. with like bad atmosphere and great food and i'm the opposite so that's kind of the funny thing but yeah i tend to we tend to like pick a restaurant and just go there for dinner and then that that's our night out unless we go to like a bar mm -hmm. afterwards but i mm -hmm. i do really love the whole um like making a whole evening of it that feels like a good plan. I saw on your Instagram you went to this new bar that was like a disco in LA yes let's go disco um in uh yeah in downtown LA uh in the arts district or 
like, yes, it's, I, I think that's technically the arts district. Um, and I think it's attached to that Italian place that has the square pies, De La Nona, I think. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it's called. Um, and really, really great cocktails, fun atmosphere. I went close to when they opened because I heard that it could get kind of crowded later on in the evening. And there's like, they like run a line outside and I'm not about that line. <laughs> no, <laughs> so me, me I either, went, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, and you know, they card you, you get like, this was the first time anyone has put any sort of like wristband on me for a while, which I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. And I got dressed up and you walk in and there's a disco ball and um, yeah, just, just fun drinks. They, they have like three, I think it was like three variations on the Negroni, which is my favorite cocktail. Oh yeah, mine um, too. Yeah, so they, it was just a fun place. But I think if you're not into the line situation, definitely go between 5 and 7 p.m., 5.30 and 7 p.m. It's so go funny. before dinner do you feel like back to the conversation about like tiktok and stuff like do you feel like like when i was in new york i went to um lafayette and um mm -hmm. like wherever that is nolita and um i think it's nolita i don't even know where it is but uh noho <laughs> like north of houston yeah uh -huh. and um i was with my friends uh and we were eating like breakfast and there was this line wrapped around the block and i was like what is this line because it wasn't to get into the breakfast and it turns out like lafayette has started making these like cronuty things like these like croissanty like mm -hmm. donuts but they had like fruit in them whatever it was had gone viral on tiktok and mm -hmm. that line was like all the people who wanted to get their like picture with it or take the, you know, make an Instagram with it. And I was just like, what is this? How come I haven't heard of this? And it's like, do you feel like the LA has the equivalent of that? Like the things that people are lining up for and, and hearing about through other means, or do you feel like it's still basically the same places? I, well, I think that line was more to do with like, you know, when you go to a club and they're like at capacity or, or but yes, I, I do think people will line up for a cocktail, but, but not, Usually, I think that the lines we see here, like Howland Rays, like people will can there will consistently yes. be a line wrapped around the block for Howland Rays now, both locations, even in Pasadena, too. Um, because that is some good fried chicken, <laughs> yeah. and pe people like fried chicken and they like spicy food. And um, Johnny and Amanda make phenomenal fried chicken, so and and now that they're doing waffles on the weekends again, like that mm -hmm. line's even longer, so. If in LA, I feel like it's food and sneakers is where I see a <laughs> yes. line. Like on Fairfax, all the sneaker places, the, yes. always a consistent line. But I'm trying to think like, speaking of the Corona, when Dominique Ansel had his bakery at the Grove, it was funny because there was not always a line. No, not at all. Was it was insane. empty. Yeah. So it's, it's like weird, like what we will, we as Angelinos will line up for versus yes. what people in New York were lining up. But also in New York, I feel like there's so many more bakeries mm -hmm. and I feel like there's more of like a bakery pastry culture than there is in LA. Um, whereas here it's like, I really want those cool sneakers and I really want that spicy chicken. <laughs> <laughs> people have their priorities yeah. in line here. Yes. People um, have their priorities. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, Jen, this was so fun talking. I start every, every episode with like with the thing that you told me that you've got to taste, but now I'm curious, what was the last great thing that you tasted, um, that you are excited about? Like something like recently that you tasted that was a, you've got to taste this moment. Ooh, I just had amazing food yesterday at CJ's Wings on okay. Pico. Um, it's this tiny little place you order at the counter and there's like a couple seats outside and they also have a food truck and they make phenomenal chicken wings and they put the, their boss sauce on it, okay. which is like, 
it on it's like on the heat scale it's like a six out of ten it is not buffalo maybe buffalo adjacent but it's more of like a vinegary chili sauce with a little bit of like sweet at the end um and the wings are lightly breaded and fried so they're almost like korean chicken like remind me of korean chicken wings in that way and also uh-huh. the sauce is a little on the thicker side but the wings it doesn't like um you know the wings stay crispy okay. uh and they were just like exceptional chicken wings and i love my like i love me a good chicken wing so i i would say that was the last best yes. thing i ate DJ's good wings. answer yeah so when you yeah. get, it, get, it, get get wings like that do you take them into your car and eat them or do you just stand on the sidewalk or you sit on the stool we sat on the sidewalk um there were two tables outside and we just sat on the sidewalk and probably used every napkin they had in the restaurant <laughs> um, <laughs> sure yeah and my nose was running and i was just oh, like yeah. this is uh this is very enjoyable wait do you ever answer that question i want to know the last thing i, I ate? should eat yeah. Oh, wow. You're really turning the tables here. Uh, I feel so put on the spot. Well, it was so funny because you just said, told, talked about that. And I was just thinking I went to Yang Ban Society. Love Yang Ban. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and yes. Uh, they had wings there that were so good. That sounds kind of similar. They were sort of like shellacked in like a sauce, but then coated like in, I guess, breadcrumbs or flour and then fried so that it was like crispy on the outside, but then underneath the crispy layer was like the saucy layer and so good. they were so good. So that was, that's probably my answer. Cause that's just, that's the first thing that came to mind. That's a good answer. Those are Thank some you. very good wings. Yeah. All right. Agreed. Well, we Agreed. ended on a high note. Well, Jen, thanks so much. And I'm very excited for our matzo ball soup dumpling date. So we'll have to do that yes. as a follow-up. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Well, that's it for this week's episode of You've Got to Taste This. Thanks to Jen Harris for sending me to eat some of the best soup dumpling bao I've ever had in my entire life. If you want to get some of the recipes from this podcast, I relaunched my blog recently. So head over to AmateurGourmet.com and you'll get all of the recipes I've been talking about these previous episodes, including Noah Galutin's porcini, rosemary tomato sauce, Nicole Rucker's uh, pierogi with dried fruit and pork, and Felicity Spector's uh, Ukrainian bread with a poppy seed paste and apples. And next week, we have another amazing recipe, so tune in. You can follow me on Instagram at Amateur Gourmet, and I'm also on Twitter and TikTok. And I'll see you back here next week. Take care.